What's up, everybody? John Hoover, All Sooners. You're listening to the post-game podcast from our observations. My gosh, 59-20 Oklahoma guys issued an absolute beatdown on West Virginia tonight in their final Saturday night home game of the season. Lots to talk about, but we're going to compress it into about 25 or 30 really good minutes. So stick with us. Ryan Chapman, Randall Sweet. This is a, uh, the, the, we're not sponsored by Red Bull, but this podcast is definitely brought to you by Red Bull because without this thing, we would not be, uh, we would be stumbling through the night. It is one, almost 30 in the morning. And uh, we're going to try to make sense yeah. of what we saw today. 59-20, Sooners kicked the crap out of West Virginia. Yeah, who have any long time listeners of the All Sooners podcast, viewers of the All Sooners <laughs> podcast on your YouTube page, John Hoover Media, head over there for all the great videos that Randall shot, that uh, you and I shot Hoove uh, post-game. Uh, they know that this podcast doesn't happen without Red Bull. They know <laughs> that our game day conscious doesn't happen without Red Bull. But uh, I think the the great words of Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, best describe what happened. Oklahoma laid the smack it down on West Virginia tonight. Uh, it looked like they exercised some demons offensively as it was a pretty clean game. I thought it was a pretty simple game plan. We had, um, I think I counted one play to Jalil Farouk behind the line of scrimmage on the perimeter. Other than that, it was go vertical, go deep, go often, and uh, Oklahoma reaped the rewards tonight. Yeah, run with power, don't jump off sides, uh, don't fall start. You know, they played, like Ryan said, a clean game. Brent Venable said tonight, post-game press conference, he thought it was the best four quarters that Oklahoma has put together offense and defense this year. And you know, watching that game, it's, it's really hard to argue that it was the best four quarters that Oklahoma put forth. And I mean, I think that when you take into account that Oklahoma didn't have one of their starting tackles in this game, they were without Desan McCullough, a big contributor on defense, that, uh, that really makes it even more impressive. You know, you guys mentioned the uh, lack of mistakes on offense. It's amazing what happens when you stick to one running back the entire game. Uh, yeah. Just all around great performance from, uh, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, running back rooms. Uh, looked like the offensive line played well from at least what I saw. Defense on every level uh, played really well. Um, OU is 8-2 and two now. They ended a two-game losing streak. They lost at Kansas by five points. They lost uh, at Oklahoma State by three points. Tonight, you saw what happens when they put together a complete effort, complimentary football, competitive depth, all those cliches that Venables loves. They came together tonight, and uh, it resulted in a record-setting performance. And here's where I'm going with the record-setting performance. Dylan Gabriel, you've probably heard by now. Eight touchdowns. He uh, was fourth in the nation already coming into tonight in points accounted for, touchdowns accounted for. He, he ranked fourth in the nation. He went up in next week's rankings is my prediction because he accounted for eight touchdowns. Five touchdown passes, three touchdown runs. I'm sitting here looking through the, I've got a PDF of the OU record supplement in my laptop. And so when that, when he got to seven, I was like, I need to look that up. And then when he was getting ready to get to eight, I was like, okay, I'm definitely gonna look that up. I got in my laptop, I looked it up. Baker Mayfield in 2017, Kyler Murray in 2018, both broke the school record back-to-back -back years of seven total touchdowns. I think Baker had seven TD passes at Texas Tech. I was there. Kyler had six and one. Six touchdown passes, one touchdown run. DG, the least runningest of all those, I don't know, maybe that's not true now. I think maybe he 
he has more rushing yards maybe than uh, than Baker Mayfield. Anyway, point being, he now sits alone atop that list, eight touchdowns in a game. I asked Jeff Levy, I said, you take pride in the fact that one of your guys broke that record that is held by two Heisman Trophy winners that are standing across the street forever? He said, oh, I'm just happy for Dylan. Yeah, I mean, look, if you want fun press conferences of guys bragging on themselves, then this probably isn't the team for that. I Dylan couldn't even Gabriel. get Dylan to talk about it. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel, big team guy. Uh, Jeff Levy just gives you nothing, frankly, ever, either way, in any press conference. He's about as uninteresting an interview as it gets. A lot of coach speak. But uh, the play spoke for itself, and Dylan Gabriel – had two really, really tough runs for two of his three touchdowns. He spread the ball all through the air, and I thought the cool thing too is what, three of those find their way to Drake Stoops, but you get uh, Jaden Gibson involved on a touchdown. He, he was still spreading the ball, and uh, it, this was the Dylan Gabriel that we saw the first five weeks of the season. Uh, the Texas game, I thought he was still really good, even though his numbers might not have looked as good because that was a good defense. And then that had gone away kind of these last three weeks. And so uh, I thought that it was a group that, first off, great protection. And, and as uh, Randall mentioned, Tyler Guyton didn't play in this game, and that's like a total afterthought <laughs> because of how well – like it was so much of an afterthought that no one even asked about it. The uh, yeah. sounds like the, yeah. the murmur is perhaps maybe a head injury that was sustained late in the week in practice uh, for Tyler Guyton. But, uh, yeah, Dylan Gabriel was calm cool collected we saw his feet come back into play not like a hundred yard performance but uh tough runs when they needed it and give you guys the numbers real quick 23 of 36 423 yards five touchdown passes had 50 yards rushing and three touchdown runs oh and by the way we didn't even mention another career high for drake stoops 164 yards receiving on 10 catches and three unbelievable touchdowns for him yeah, so, so taking one step back, you know, you mentioned the offensive line. Jacob Sexton played really well. He got beat once early in the game, but after that, I, I didn't really notice any missteps from him. Drake Stoops, I mean, you mentioned it. He had a phenomenal game. Catching the ball uh, and holding on through contact, that's probably going to be the big play that everyone remembers because it started a fight right afterwards. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he was breaking tackles. He looked elusive in the open field. He looked fast. Uh, obviously, Drake Stoops is never a guy that goes down easily, but really just putting his shoulder down, being able to take defenders into the end zone tonight. Um, so obviously Drake Stoops' career day. Uh, the past two weeks, I think he's accounted for something like 22 catches, 290 yards, and four touchdowns in the past two games. And even if you go back to Kansas, he was the Sooners' leading receiver, four catches, 76 yards in that contest. So, I mean, since that UCF game when Nick Anderson uh, kind of took the lead, Drake Stoops has been uh, the Sooners' number one option since uh, Andrew Anthony went down. Yeah, and he had that little deal in the media on Monday night where he said, man, I don't care if we're 0-8, I'm in here 10 hours a day and I'm working because I love football, I love the game of football, I love OU football, I love the University of Oklahoma. You talk about a kid's legend growing. At the yeah. end of the season, the, the team's falling apart, they're losing games, and he's out there setting career records, and then they give a little press conference about how, or not a press conference, just an interview about how he loves the University of Oklahoma. He might be the most popular player on not just this team, but the most popular player here since Baker? Baker Mayfield, maybe? Just in terms of the fans just uh, pouring out adoration for him. I think he's he's right there with Baker. Yeah, I that or maybe the most popular since C D. Fans CD. really like C D. Yeah. 
a lot. I, I he's think, not a Stoops, man. I think I'm with that, you on that, but he's not a Stoops. Yeah, Stoops also isn't a Baker. That's not a knock on. So like Baker sure. might be the most popular player since like Brian Bosworth. So I think that I Baker really should agree. be chucked aside into his own category, <laughs> and Stoops may be the top of the rest of everybody else. Uh, and uh, it's it like people always like Drake Stoops, the Drake Stoops story, but. Uh, people like the Drake Stoop story now, not because of anything. Uh, like, he could have our last name. So the way that he goes out there and plays, and you've seen it the last two Saturdays in particular, uh, people love him some Drake Stoops. Uh, Drake Stoops wasn't the only guy catching passes tonight. You see Nick Anderson, four for 119. You see Austin Stogner with a <laughs> career night out of nowhere, four for 69 uh, and a touchdown. And a touchdown. Jaden Gibson had his first touchdown since I think non-conference play. Maybe he had one earlier against West or uh, Iowa State. Yes. Uh, but two yeah. for 38 for, for and a touchdown for him. Jalil Farouk two catches for 30 yards. This passing game tonight was working. I gave you Gabriel's 423 yards passing. These guys uh, they had the protection. Here's the deal. I meant to ask Jeff Levy this, but I know for a hundred percent fact that he would not even entertain the notion of answering this question. How much RPO did you run tonight? How much passes did you call versus runs did you call versus RPO? Like uh, you guys just go out there and look at the defense and see what they're going to give you. I think they ran a lot less RPO tonight than they have been. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. And not only the RPO, but they they were uh, taking deep. I mean, they were like. They had a mind to take the deep shots. It yeah. was it was it was like a goal that the Sooners set out. It's it seemed like that on the field at least because while the past few weeks I think fans and even observers of the team have kind of complained like where is where is this explosive offense that we saw at the beginning of yep. the season? I mean, I, I, a few weeks ago, I even against Kansas, I even said why is Jaden Gibson not right. in the ball in on the field in this situation? Guess what? Tonight, OU pushes the ball down the field. Good things happen. We see Jaden Gibson in the game. Good things happen. Um, Again, like you mentioned, the protection was really good, but it, it really seemed like, uh, <laughs> I saw someone make the joke, Jeff Levy and Brent Venables opened up that Rolodex that they talked about <laughs> against Oklahoma State. And I mean, you could really tell tonight, the offense, I mean, from really from start to finish, it, the offense moved really, really smoothly. I think they had one three and out in the second half that was, that we that I noticed that looked kind of like the last two weeks. But aside from that, the offense looked aesthetically pleasing to watch. It was very smooth. Uh, and, and the players executed well in the field. You saw that on the scoreboard, all, all, almost 60 points. Um, and that, that was with even, you know, one Walter Rouse false start. So again, you got, got those areas cleaned up. Uh, there was a few little penalties on the skirmish at the end, but I think like we said in the post-game, or the post-game stand-up that the, the Sooners cleaned it up. And I think that also contributed a lot to their offensive performance. I think Brent Venables and Jeff Levy threw out the Rolodex tonight, and I think they got a Palm Pilot. <laughs> I don't know what either of those are. You don't know what a Palm Pilot is? Oh my God. Tough, tough, <laughs> tough. He's uh, 11 years old, you gotta forgive him. Well, I, <laughs> Jeff Levy was playing with like a PS5 tonight based yeah. off what, what was, what was Madden, happening. Madden or something. Right. Well, well, actually, he was doing what he actually, wanted. Somebody said no. next to me, he, he's in his bag. I'm not sure what in his bag means, maybe was, you can tell he me. Was, he was in his bag, I do know what that <laughs> is, and, and Jeff Levy was in his bag tonight. Uh, the, the, the plays that they were calling, it feels, feels like we haven't seen those in a while. Sorry, Ryan. And I, I actually think it's the other, I think that Jeff Levy was actually just playing Pong to continue this <laughs> twisted metaphor, because everything was just really simple. I, I didn't, were, yes, could play design, all that stuff, but they weren't trying to get too cute. Yeah. 
They weren't trying to go to the perimeter. It was, no hey, teams. how do you get the ball as far north or as far south as possible directly in a straight line? Yeah, they were real efficient at doing that. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's, yeah, don't have his uh, efficiency rating, but it was because 23 completions, 423 yards. <laughs> That's going to be off the charts when you look at his passer efficient NCAA passer efficiency rating. Um, let's uh, let's take a look. Oh, Gavin Sawchuk. Set. I asked the the question of uh, Dylan Gabriel. I guess you've got. Uh, Drake Stoops, right, who's coming off his uh, career high for the second straight week. And now you've got Gavin Sawchuk running the football, who's coming off his career high for the second straight week. And so I asked the question of the quarterback, is this just a case of you guys in week 10 identifying your playmakers? Or is that just uh, how the game unfolds? And he basically said, yeah, well, you, you got to feed the hot hand. You give it to your playmakers. You find who the playmakers are. And when they get hot, you get them the football. That's what we're seeing. Gavin Sawchuk, 22 carries, 135 yards tonight. He said he felt good, averaged 6.1 yards per carry, and didn't have one of those 64-yarders like he did in Stillwater last week. He had a 30-yard run, but he said he felt good. And, and he looked good running the ball. I mean, it, there were not a lot of negative plays from him. Uh, there was a few of short to no gain, but it felt like most of the time when when um, Sawchuk was touching the ball, it was a, a pretty positive gain for the Sooners. I mean, you saw uh, good vision, good, really good patience from him. There's one play where looks like they have him bottled up behind the line of scrimmage and he's able to bounce outside break a few more tackles get upfield uh, there's another play where OU was uh, deep in their own territory and he's able to you know physical run break a few tackles get about 24 yards put put OU out into um, you know more towards the midfield and he just Gavin Sawchuk ran tough uh, which I think is something that uh, a lot of people haven't seen out of his game just because we haven't seen Gavin Sawchuk yeah. that much this season I mean th people think of him as the you know, the speed back, especially, you know, again, breaks the long one against Oklahoma State. But tonight it was a lot of tough, hard, consistent running. I think you saw that he's got that capability. And, again, it's amazing what happens when OU sticks to one running back. I mean, Tawi Walker uh, barely saw the field tonight. I think he was hurt again. He only had two carries. Dalen Smothers got, yeah. got on, and I think that was, you know, late in the game when the game was kind of out of hand already. But, again, OU stuck to one running back. They didn't. As you mentioned, try to get too cute, try to you know bring the whole running back room in the game, and uh, I think that going forward, maybe uh, these last few games, Gavin Sawchuk is going to be the uh, RB1. I'll tell you what, uh, before we jump over to the defense, uh, we'll stick with the offense just a little bit longer, and that is to say, um, in addition to Gavin Sawchuk, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, Gavin Sawchuk, yes, t I told you the numbers, 22 for 135. He told me that, uh, yeah, he was feeling good. Um, I asked him specifically, are you one of those backs that likes to get the football in the fourth quarter, grind, grind people down, the, you're better. The more you get the football, the better you run. He said, yeah, sure. Um, but, uh, you know, he's just trying to play within the system and run the plays that are called. So everybody's being humble. But uh, I, we got to stick with one more offensive thing, and that is Jackson Arnold is going to redshirt. He's played in four games. If you play in five, you can't redshirt. So he's played in four. He was not the first quarterback off the bench tonight. It was Davis Bevel coming in and cleaning up, mopping up duty for uh, Dylan Gabriel tonight. And Dylan, by the way, was on the field late with a 32-point lead and got his eighth touchdown, right? I mean, that it is what it is. Uh, I personally probably would have taken him out, but then you don't get, that, get to set that record. So... Uh, you go back and forth. Part, part of that also might be because OU wanted to stick it to West Virginia after that little, little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I think I think there was some edge and some attitude. 
these games have been historically chippy, which yes. has been yes. weird for two teams. That it's not like they were prior rivals entering the Big 12 or anything like that. But yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, Brent Venables said, like, never say never, but that's the plan right now. I took that as as long as Dylan Gabriel's healthy. If we need someone to kneel the ball out in a 30-point win, it will be Davis Bevel. Mm -hmm. uh, Reevaluate that situation if you need someone to play second and third and fourth yeah. quarter uh, in a meaningful game, which makes a ton of sense. Jackson Arnold's a guy, he's the caliber of quarterback that if everything plays out the way that Oklahoma envisions it for him, you shouldn't have to worry about if he redshirted or not because he'll be leaving for the NFL draft early. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep that extra year just in case. He's, uh, he's the backup quarterback, Jackson Arnold is, but in these situations like tonight, you're going to see Davis Pebble come in and close the games because they want to keep that, that year open. And that's smart. That's a good option. I remember uh, you know, Venables was on that team in 99 when they had to burn Quentin Griffin's red shirt. And then uh, what happened? They didn't have him again in 2003. So it's, you're not looking ahead, but you're planning ahead. And I think that's smart. I think that's a, a good way of going about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, that way, you know, you give Jackson Arnold, if he needs it, potentially some more time getting used to the SEC, kind yep. of gelling with some of those, you know, new receivers that, you know, obviously Emmett Jones is bringing in a lot of guys. Uh, it's going to be a, a big new receiving core after, you know, Drake Stoops leaves, uh, you know, maybe Jaleel Farouk, things like that. Speaking of SEC, since you brought it up, the fans, uh, I thought they did a really good job tonight of kind of putting it in the refs' faces. The Big 12 refs come here and they made a few more curious calls, questionable calls, and the, and the fans were like, you know what, let's get an SEC chant going every time it looks like uh, we, we get a chance to put it in their face. That's the way these fans approach that. I, I got to say, I thought it was clever. I was impressed by their uh, resilience. Yeah, and, and, and again, I, I said this once, I'll say it a thousand times. Go to the Wayback Machine, go to 2020, before Oklahoma had ever officially said they're leaving a conference or anything like that. Uh, Big 12 refs and Pac-12 refs were widely regarded as the two worst officiating crews in all of college football. Uh, these are the same awful Big 12 refs, and let me tell you, they're awful. Um, it's the same just bad group, and I think that everyone, uh, like, I was watching the Texas and TCU game. TCU was collecting three or four terrible pass interference calls against them. Remember three weeks ago, Houston had the terrible spot go against them. Why would the refs be conspiring against Oklahoma but be working to help Texas win a Big 12 title? There is no conspiracy. They just suck. And Oklahoma fans, <laughs> I thought, had a great, great way to do that, which is to, like you said, chant SEC at the referees more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a minor miracle a couple years ago when they put Muscle Ref and that Big 12 crew in charge of the, of the national title game because <laughs> all of us were like, why would you do that? This is a disaster. Uh, and, and I think that uh, Oklahoma fans are ready, ready absolutely to be out of this conference. Uh, but I thought it was a good way to, because there's been some like, ire of like we're headed to the SEC but Oklahoma fans don't chant SEC like that's been a conversation amongst fans and things like that uh, I remember fans being very upset at the student section for chanting SEC at the Lloyd Noble Center when Oklahoma shot the lights out and uh, sent Alabama packing uh, no one seemed to be too much aggrieved with this SEC chant tonight because it was directed at maybe the least popular people around the Big 12 referees yeah and the, the, the thing about it was uh among the things that they got going for was Drake Stoops plowing through that guy at the goal line, right? And running him over, dragging him five yards into the end zone for that touchdown and then turn around and just spiking the ball. 
an emphatic NFL-worthy spike if there if there ever was one in college. And then in the in the uh, third quarter, um, you saw also or no that was third quarter fourth quarter you saw Oklahoma. Am I right about that? Yeah. No, yeah. Stoops got yeah. hit. The spike was that in the was third quarter because yeah. the the, right. the chance were in response yes. to a couple of really just terrible pass interference yeah, flags yep. uh, earlier, in game, yeah. earlier in the game. And then the the Stoops spike was the tipping point for the NCC chance, which ironically was maybe the best call yeah, they made all night. Good call. Yeah. And then Stoops' next touchdown where he just gets smoked in the end zone. Yep. Uh, instead of calling it unsportsmanlike for Wilson standing over Stoops, the refs instead called a targeting, which was then reviewed. It wasn't targeting. I thought that was correct. It was just like a late hit, yep. but not a targeting hit. And if they had just called the taunting, all would have been resolved. But instead, they called the targeting, which meant that no flag was thrown, which right. led to another outpouring of SEC chance, and yeah. it led to McCade Matower uh, with a little hey, vigilante justice. I said retribution. He went after that dude and uh, on an extra point. He didn't just like you know go after him during the fight. He's like, I'll get you next play. He waited for his time. They're on. They're both on PAT. One on defense. One on offense. And he just went at him. And then he got an unsportsmanlike for what? Talking to the ref or something? Well, I, or I think the that, second one was something. He got two and got ejected. Well, I think what it was is and everybody loves him for it. Yeah, they got the two offsetting for both of them pushing and shoving well after the whistle. Wilson hit him. And then in the yeah, face. Wilson popped him in the face, and then McKay did the like point and laugh and pointed <laughs> pointed right in his face mask. And that's when the ref standing there threw the second flag. So I think Mattire got, I think his second unsportsmanlike was the point for evoking the punch, though the punch or the open hand whiff, yeah. slap, whatever. The, I, like they probably should just both got two flat. Yeah. What, whatever. Big 12 refs. And, and, and um, Matoyer on his way out of the stadium did receive a fist bump <laughs> from OU president Joe Harris. That's so, right. Uh, I think that OU fans and their president are uh, all in a unison on how they feel about that. Fans love the president tonight. That's when you know <laughs> things are going good. Uh, that 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 play that whole situation was wild though. I mean, there was OU players running from the sideline trying to get in on this the action there yep. uh, when that little skirmish was going on. Coaches running onto the field having to hold players back mm -hmm. using some as I heard right there on the field very choice words to uh, to, to to get their players off the field. Colorful language, Color, Brent Venables. Colorful what? language. That's a that's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Um, it, that that uh, I thought uh, was handled very 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 well by. Um, you know, the teams to not let that escalate any further than it could have, uh, to just kind of keep it at a little uh, pushing and shoving. Good on everyone involved. All right, let's talk about the defense. Oklahoma came in. Uh, who, who was the idiot among us who picked West Virginia in the picks this morning? Was that me? Did you do that? 33-30 was the score I picked. I said West. I got tired of picking OU to win, to only watch them lose the last two weeks. So I said, you know what, I'm picking West Virginia because I thought they were gonna run the football successfully. And you know what they did not do? They did not run the football successfully, at least early. They finished with 170 yards, I think, which is way below their average, but they only had 71 at halftime. They were averaging like 3.2 yards per carry at halftime. Game was over by then, as you guys know. Uh, CJ got hurt, Donaldson got hurt. So he was not the man um, the, whole, the whole game. That's too bad. I was hoping that he, yeah, 14 carries for 79 yards and a touchdown, but I was hoping that he'd be able to play a whole game. I wanted to see what he was about uh, playing a whole game. Jaheim White, who's averaging like 8.6 per game per carry, he came in and got nine carries for for 39 yards. And then the man uh, who was the real 
Brent Venable said he was kind of the focal point of the offense is Garrett Green running the football, <coughs> which he did very well. 114 yards last year, uh, or 119, 119 yards last year, 14, 14 carries. carries. And just frustrated the heck out of this Oklahoma defense. Well, they boxed him in tonight. They caged him, as Brent Venables likes to say. He thought they did a great job. He finished with just 24 yards car uh, total yards today. He only averaged 2.4 per carry, which is huge for him because he's been averaging 5.6, so less than half they held him to. As a team, West Virginia, 176, 4.3 per carry, which is about – you know you're going to have a really good chance to win if you take away what the other team does well. The other thing they do well is throw the ball deep. 15.93 yards per completion. Guess what? He was under 50% throwing the deep ball. He threw a lot of them today, and they all were off target. Oklahoma's defense, is it as simple as getting Danny Stutzman back and everything's better? Yeah, I was going to say they got their mojo back, and yep. Danny Stutzman is their mojo. Uh, he's their surest tackler. Um, c coming out of the Kansas game, when uh, we were putting some numbers together, going just off the, the pro football focus grades, um, Danny Sussman has a tackle, a missed tackle rate of 8.5%, which is the lowest by far of all the linebackers. He's the surest tackler. And today they were able to put Stutzman at the mic, slide him over to allow Stutzman and Kip Lewis, who are Oklahoma's two best linebackers on the interior, play those guys together. And look, I, I don't think Danny Stutzman was 100%, but from the very first drive, he was still stepping out, grabbing guys, pulling them backwards. Uh, he had a couple of big plays. And, and Britt Minable said it, like, after the game, this is a paraphrase, he's like, you'd like to say that everyone moves on, but he's an emotional leader and the defense responds to him and him being in makes a difference. And so I think you saw that tonight. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Oklahoma can, what kind of, uh, if they can manifest a destiny here going down these last two games. If they get a second shot at somebody, if, uh, if, if Danny Stutzman makes a difference. Stutzman's back, what does he do? He leads the team in tackles, eight tackles, and in tackles for loss, two tackles for loss for Danny Stutzman. And not, I mean, it's as simple as that. And, and he was hitting people hard, too. I mean, <laughs> he was. They, I, being down there on the field. He missed was, it. Yeah, there's a, there's a few a few times being down there on the field that I was like, man, he just laid a lick on that running back or something. I mean, and you saw how well he is playing sideline to sideline, which he was making tackles on, on both sides of the field. Spears Jennings, Robert Spears Jennings got his first career start tonight, responded with a career high tying seven tackles. That dude is so intense. And on that punt, yes, I thought he killed a man on a punt tonight. Uh, yeah. Jeez. And it was it, a clean hit, too. Mm -hmm. Totally clean. They, they reviewed it for targeting. They reviewed well, it for targeting say, because it was so violent. Here's how you know he hit him so hard is that it almost looked like Spears Jennings laid the hit down. Then as he got up and started trotting toward the sideline, he was kind of like looking back over mm -hmm. at the referee like, please leave that flag yep. in your pocket. Like, I just hit him really hard. It wasn't It wasn't bad. I Just please leave, leave it be. Leave it be. What would you guys think about the secondary tonight? I thought the I thought Garrett Green had some receivers open and just I, missed them. They there are still holes in coverage. Garrett Green can't take advantage. Garrett Green's a fifty five percent passer. Yep. Kenai Walker continues to get beat. He got struggled a little bit and, tonight. And and he got beat once I think for either a touchdown or a long gain, and he got beat another time. And dragged the guy down for a forty nine yard completion inside the five yard line. And guess what they had right after? Goal line stand. Goal line stand by that defense. Holy cow! There there was. Another play where the receiver, I think, was out of bounds, but Kanai Walker got beat deep on that play, too. And that, again, if that's not Garrett Green, if that's a more accurate passer, that could have been a touchdown, too. So, uh, again, not, not trying to be super negative, but uh, there are, there are, like Ryan said, there are holes. 
Uh, Kenai Walker, I thought, was really the one glaring hole today. I thought Kendall Dolby, who we've kind of picked on the past few weeks, mm -hmm. improved his play a lot today. Seems like maybe they weren't necessarily putting him deep down the field in coverage, letting him kind of come play downhill more. I mean, he had laid a lick on Garrett Green there late in the game. Um, but again, the, the one weak point that I noticed the most was Kenai Walker. Um, obviously, it wasn't a terrible game from him. I mean, there was still some moments, but two plays that stuck out to me where he got beat yeah. pretty bad. Dolby played to saw McCullough's role today, because did we talk about McCullough? If we didn't, right. McCullough was uh, a little banged up, and Britt Venables basically said, paraphrasing, He's been banged up before, and that led him to miss a couple of games. So if they could get through tonight without him, they wanted to try to do that to give him a chance to rest up. He so was doing some pregame stuff. He was going, you know, <laughs> dropping back and catching interceptions that they yeah. did in pregame. So I, it's not I, like he's really hurt. I watched him in the first quarter. And, and Brent the, said precautionary. Yeah, in the first quarter, he was standing with the guys ready to go sub in with his helmet. And then after Oklahoma extended that huge lead, that's when he like stepped away. So he had his helmet the whole time. I think he, if they, if they really needed him, he probably could have played. But I think that's why Dolby was able to play a little closer to the line of scrimmage. He used a lot more of that stuff. The good news is uh, Keaton Slovis next week is a joke, and uh, Hoover, the the youngster at TCU, oh, Hoover, Josh Hoover, Josh Hoover, yeah, not John Hoover, Josh Hoover, the the inferior Hoover. Uh, he's got a really live arm. He can make some really good plays. He also, I think, is like thrown at least three balls directly into the hands of defenders each game. Like he's he's really young and he makes decisions like a young guy. So uh, two weeks from now, they'll probably get a test on Black Friday. Uh, they'll have opportunities to pick the ball off. Keaton Slovis is laughable and shouldn't be playing quarterback anymore. Sooners had two interceptions tonight. Uh, both of them were uh, fairly impressive. Jacoby Johnson got his first, I think, career interception, and then uh, Reggie Pearson got one, you know, the transfer from Texas Tech, after Billy Bowman just, like, toyed with this receiver and reached in and batted the ball up in the air. It was fantastic. <coughs> fantastic effort by both guys' part. Um, I thought uh, defensively Sammy Omasigo got some flowers from Brent Venables, right? He came in and uh, played some uh, played some. He played Dolby's role basically. He yeah. was the backup cheetah. Cheetah, right? Everyone got slotted up one, which means that Omasigo was that guy. It's the Jaron Canick yeah. that was kind of interesting. I nothing nothing great out of the D line tonight. Just kind of average. I, 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 mean, I thought they played well in the run game. The, I was going to say I thought the guys on the interior played really well in the run game because you could there were some plays where a lot James, of zeros where, by the running game where you know Jonah Laulu, Dejon Terry, yeah. and another guy Grayson Halton. Yep. Grayson right. Halton made a few really nice plays. So the interior, like you said, may, maybe not as splash plays, but I, I thought they did. They had a nice game. They were real solid on the inside. Um, let's switch to it's, uh, just real quick. Third straight game without a sack. Yeah. They did, though, have. And when's the last time that happened? Uh, we said 2004. 2004. We'll have to go do was two. Actually, well, three is. We'll let Tom Green do the work with that. That's good. Idea. Uh, they did, however, get eight tackles for loss and eight hits on Green. So it was. It wasn't like they weren't getting there. Green was doing a pretty good job of uh, when they were getting close. Garrett Green, not Tom Green. Tom Green would have gone down like a sack of potatoes. Dang. And you know it, Tom. Uh, Tom no, catching a straight Garrett Green. Spot. Tom does great work on the Peloton scene. Uh, Garrett Green was was getting the ball out uh, about when guys were getting close to him. Who You mentioned the goal line stand. I mean, the... the it's student, so impressive the, when they uh, do that. The, I mean, it's like... And and that was not the only fourth down stop they made all night. Right. There, there, was, there was two tonight. 
Uh, they made two against Oklahoma State last week. They made one against Kansas the week before that. Almost against UCF if Jaron Kanek doesn't yell in the guy's face. That's right. They made uh, at least they made the one against Texas. I mean, it feels like when this defense is put in short yardage situations that the Sooners are really good at responding. Uh, they know, you know, it might sound cheesy, but in, in that moment it feels like they have that mentality that they can stop the team, which again, it feels like when you're that close, well, that congested, that's that's part of the battle. When you learned you can do it against Texas, you can you know you can do it against anybody. Because Texas is really still, I mean, Texas is still first place in the conference for a reason. They have really good talent this year. Spin it ahead, boys, to uh, BYU. We found out tonight, right around midnight, a little before midnight, that BYU game will kick off at? 10 a.m. local. No, come on. Today at Mountain, it's 11 a.m. kickoff. 11 a.m. kickoff oh, for BYU, sorry. Oklahoma. Yeah, it's like a chorus. OU kicks off at? 11. 11 a.m. Come on. Join in. Sorry, I'm letting Tom know he's listening to the pot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, OU, BYU, that is a little bit, I mean, I feel like the Big 12 might be saying, hey, OU, screw you. We're going to put you at 11. When they're really screwing over BYU, who wants their most high-profile game, you could say arguably one of, if not the most high-profile games in school history. Conference game, next to last game of the year, coming to town, Oklahoma Sooners. You want that thing at night if you're BYU, and it's 11 in the morning, which is actually 10 in the morning in the mountains. So uh, kind of a kind of a raw deal for BYU. And it's supposed to be the, B, the Big 12 homecoming weekend at Provo. Have fun with that at 10 in the morning. This is a... Interrupts the parade. Tough. Uh, I don't know how they're going to get up that early without the caffeine. Um, this is a huge, huge, huge hit on the historical footprint of what's going on. First off, Oklahoma suddenly has new life once again in the Big 12 race. Yep, yep, yep. OSU lost at UCF, as you know. 45-3. Embarrassing loss. Kansas lost at home to Texas Tech, as you know, meaning that we have spent all night sifting through Big 12 tiebreakers, which don't, I have read them. Don't try it. I am more confused now that how it's worded. It's a whole to-do, but the Sooners now have hope. They have life. Here's the here's the cliff notes, the, the easiest way OSU loses again or Texas loses and then some weird stuff happens. We're gonna have to. There are so many hypotheticals that we're gonna have to wait two weeks for anything else. We yelled at Bob Bowlesby for not expanding back in 2000. What the heck year was that? 15, 16, when they didn't. A when lot. They, when they could have expanded and didn't. We're thankful now that he didn't because expansion sucks. You got 14 teams and only nine games. They play them, but they don't play them. That team doesn't play them, but they do play them. It's confusing as hell. So I it's just. just Save yourself. I looked at it for about 20 minutes, and I came away thinking I know nothing more. This is the oh, – Oh, please don't read that on the podcast. This is the record. <laughs> here's – you throw out head-to-head, -head, right, because not everyone's going to play each other. Record against the next highest-placed common opponent in the standings, parentheses, based on record in all games played within the conference, as if you would have only done the record of four of the games. Shout-out Big 12. Proceeding through the standings. So like, does do they all have to be common opponent? Because there's about to be like a four-way logjam. Conflicts in there. and there's a ton of conflicts. So we'll figure that out for you is guys. It four or five right now? Uh, in second place. It right now oh, it's, it's four. It's four. four plus Texas. So five. If yeah. Texas loses, it becomes five. It like I said, too much to happen. But there's other big history on the line next week. 
Okay. Do you guys know the all-time series record between Oklahoma and BYU? Yes, I do. Randall, do you, do you, do you have a shot in the dark at what it is? I don't know. The uh, Sam Bradford wishes it was up. Oh, uh, I, I watched that game. I watched that game. I, I, I remember now that you mentioned it. But BYU is one of the few programs that has played Oklahoma More and than is once. unbeaten against the Sooners. Yeah, two and two and zero. Oh, the Cougars are. Everybody remembers the was it the Copper Bowl in in Tucson, thirty one six. I know. I remember the Copper Bowl. I, I don't. Gary remember Gibbs that. last game. Schnellenberger was what in the press was box that? doing a press conference, smoking his pipe. Telling what? everybody how he was going to change the culture at OU. What year is 94. it? 94. Oh, that was before I was born. <laughs> My yeah. mom was in high school in 1994. Come on. So, it's a, uh, a little historical footnote. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. But a little historical footnote, but uh, it, it is, these two teams don't match up very often, obviously, as we just mentioned. So, uh, even though BYU absolutely stinks, They'll be up for it at senior day, and it's uh, something that no one that, that plays on this team is going to worry about, something that Brent Venables isn't going to worry about. But uh, it, it is a, a game with some historical ripple. We'll be there. Uh, all three of us will be in Provo and uh, can't wait. I'm going to make a special trip. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be there on Thursday. We're actually going out a day early. We're going to uh, find some mountains to climb. I'm actually going to go look for the... Hang with me here. The Barry Switzer Sewage Treatment Facility Plant. If you're old enough like me, you know what I'm talking about. You guys look it up. Barry Switzer Sewage Treatment. Look it up. It's a real thing. I asked Kalani Sataki about it at Big 12 Media Days and he just went, huh? I was like, never mind. Never mind. You're you're not in it like uh, like a lot of does, people in Oklahoma. Does it, uh, does it date back to the 84 and 85 seasons? 84. 84, BYU National Championship, Oklahoma playing Washington in the Orange Bowl, Sooner Schooner tipped over, and uh, that thing literally went sideways. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and they named a uh, sewage treatment faci facility after Barry Switzer. They did, honestly. Not I was in, I was in college, and I watched the Sooner Schooner uh, tip over once in, in Norman. It's been I known to that, happen. I think that fell apart. Although the one in Miami, wasn't that like intentionally rigged with a little <laughs> message for the uh, the locals? Or was that a different Orange Bowl in Miami? I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, there, there. The schooner in the Union has the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Has some. Uh, it, it's a, it's a message to the locals of Miami. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Ah, okay. We'll have to get into that. Something that Brett Minables would never say. No, we'll have to do <laughs> that. We'll have to get into that in another podcast. For now, I think we're gonna wrap it up. Good. Anybody else got anything to add? No. Thanks for. We're on to BYU. We're <laughs> Brent Minables. <laughs> We're on to BYU. If anybody asks a question about play calling this weekend, he doesn't say we're on to BYU. I'm going to be so disappointed. Brent Middle is also a big newspaper guy, so shout out to newspapers. Oh, yeah. Oh, you guys still have newspapers? Is there newspapers <laughs> around? What was that, Big Brent? shot at all the newspaper guys in the room. What was that? I did not know that. I know Eric Bailey started. He stood up and he doubled <laughs> his fist. He's like, what? And also Dylan Gabriel hates tennis players. Oh, He's yeah. That, that's, that, that's the two takeaways from tonight. If you want to figure all that out, head to allstudios.com. All those interviews are up. They're there. There, watch them. Yep. Player interviews, coach interviews, the whole thing. Highlights. Highlights, the man shot. He did a good job tonight. Check out the highlights. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week on the All Sooners podcast. The post-game podcast from Provo Saturday night is going to be a ton of fun because uh, it's not going to be at uh, 2 a.m. like it is right now. You can find all those shows 
on Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, iHeart, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you have an Amazon-enabled device, just say, Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. And, of course, all the shows are on my YouTube channel, John Hoover Media. And don't forget our website, allsooners.com. Just click on the player and listen on your tablet, your phone, or your computer. For Ryan Chapman, for Randall Sweet, I am John Hoover. See you guys.